0: chapter twenty three of balsamo the magician by Alexandre dumas translated by henry l williams this librivox recording is in the public domain the presentation versailles is still fine to look upon but it was splendid to view in the period of its glory particularly was it resplendent when a great ceremony was performed when the wardrobes and warehouses were ransacked to display their sumptuous treasures and the dazzling illuminations doubled the magic of its wealth it had degenerated but it still was glowing when it opened all its doors and lit up all its flambeaux to hail the court reception of countess Dubarry. the curious populace forgot its misery and its rags before so much bewildering show and crammed the squares in paris road all the palace windows spouted flame and the sky-rockets resembled stars floating and shooting in a golden dust the king came out of his private rooms at ten precisely dressed with more care than usual his lace being richer and the jewels in his garter and shoe buckles being worth a fortune informed by Sartina that the court ladies were plotting against his favourite he was careworn and trembled with fury when he saw none but men in the antechamber but he took heart when in the queen's drawing-room set aside for the reception he saw in a cloud of powder and diamond lustre his three daughters and all the ladies who had vowed the night before to stay away the duke of richelieu ran from one to another playfully reproaching them for giving in and complimenting them on thinking better of it but what has made you come duke they naturally challenged him oh i am not here really i am but the proxy for my daughter countess ergamont if you will look around you will not see her she alone with lady grammont and lady gewimene has kept the pledge to keep aloof i am sure what will happen to me for practically staying away i shall be sent into exile for the fifth time or to the bastille for the fourth that will end my plotting and i vow to conspire never again the king remarked the absentees and he went up to the duke of choiseul who affected the utmost calm and demanded i do not see the duchess of grammont sire my sister is not well and she begs me to offer her most humble respects said choiseul only succeeding in flimsy indifference that is bad for her ominously said the sovereign turning his back to the duke and thus facing prince guemonnais have you brought your wife he questioned impossible your majesty when i went to bring her she was sick abed nothing could be worse said the king good evening marshal he said to richelieu who bowed with the suppleness of a young courtier you do not seem to have a touch of the complaint sire." i am always in good health when i have the pleasure of beholding your majesty but i do not see your daughter the countess of egmont what is the reason for her absence alas sire responded the old duke assuming the most sorrowful mien my poor child is the more indisposed from the mishap depriving her of the happiness of this occasion but." lady egmont unwell whose health was the most robust in the realm that is sad for her and the king turned his back on the old courtier as he had on the others whom he snubbed gloomy anxious and irritated the king went over to the window and seizing the carved handle of the sash with one hand he cooled his fevered brow against the pane the courtiers could be heard chattering like leaves rustling before the tempest while all eyes stared at the clock it struck the half-hour when a great uproar of vehicles rumbling on the yard cobblestones resounded under the carriage-way vault suddenly the royal brow brightened and a flash shot from his eyes the right honourable lady of countess of dubarry roared the usher to the grand master of ceremonies the right honourable the countess of Different sensations were making all hearts leap. Invisibly drawn by curiosity, a flood of courtiers moved toward the monarch. The wife of the Marshal of Mirepoix was carried close up to the king, and though she had been in the front of the anti Dubarius, she clasped her hands, ready for adoration, and exclaimed, "'Oh, how lovely she is!' The king turned and smiled on the speaker but she is not a mere mortal said richelieu she is a fairy which won him the end of the smile in truth never had the countess been fairer more winsome in expression more modest in bearing more noble in figure more elegant in step or more cunning in showing emotion her like had never excited admiration in the queen's drawing-room charmingly beautiful richly but not flauntingly dressed and notable for a tastefully novel head-dress she advanced held by the hand of the countess bayern spite of atrocious pangs the latter did not hobble or even wince though the rouge fell in flakes from her face as each step wrung her to the core all eyes turned on the singular pair the old dame with an old-fashioned low-neck robe and her hair built up a foot high above her, bright deep-set eyes like an osprey's, her splendid attire and her skeleton tread seemed the image of the past giving her hand to the present. This model of cold, dry dignity, guiding decent and voluptuous beauty, struck most with admiration and astonishment. The vivid contrast made the king fancy that Countess Bayern was bringing him his favorite, more youthful and brilliant than ever. "'You have a very fair novice to present, my lady,' said he. "'But she also has a noble introductress, than whom there is not one whom I am more pleased to see again at court.' The old lady courtesied. "'Go and bow to my daughters.' whispered the monarch to Jean, and show that you know how to courtesy i hope you will not be dissatisfied with the way they reply to you his eyes were fixed upon his daughters and compelled them to show politeness and as lady Duberry bowed more lowly than court etiquette prescribed they were touched and embraced her with a cordiality which pleased their father henceforward the countess's success became a triumph the duke of richelieu as the victor of mahon knew how to maneuver he went and placed himself behind the chair ready for countess du barry so that he was near her when the presentation was over without having to battle with the crowd lady Mirapoix, knowing how lucky her old friend was in warfare had imitated him and drew her stool close to the favourite's chair supported by the royal love and the favorable welcome of the royal princesses Jean looked less timidly around among the noblemen though it was among the ladies that she expected enemies ah my lord of richelieu she said i had come here to find you for you have let a week pass without calling at lucien i was preparing for the pleasure of seeing you here certain here to meet i wish you had imparted certainty to me For i was none too sure on that head considering that i am surrounded by plots to thwart me she glared at the old gallant who bore the glance imperturbably plots goodness what are you talking about in the first place my hairdresser was spirited away was he indeed what a lucky thing that i sent you a pearl of his craft whom my daughter the countess of egmont found somewhere an artiste most superior to the general run even to the royal perruquiers my little leonard leonard repeated the lady yes a little fellow who does up my septimani's tresses and whom she keeps hidden from all eyes as a miser does his cash-box you are not complaining of him i think for your ladyship is turned out as barbers say marvellously curiously enough uh, the style reminds me of a sketch which the court painter boucher gave my daughter for her to be dressed in accord with it had she not fallen ill poor Seppier. but you were talking of plots yes they kept back my dress this is odious though you are not to be pitied when arraigned in such a choice china silk with flower-work applied now had you applied to me in your quandary as i hope you will in the future i would have sent you the dress my daughter had made for her presence here it is so like this that i could vow it is the same Countess Dubarry seized both his hands, beginning to understand who was the enchanter who had saved her from the embarrassment. "I suppose it was in your daughter's coach that I was brought here?" she said. "Oh, I should know hers, for it was renovated for this occasion with white satin, but there was no time to paint her blazon upon the panels." "Only time," to paint a rose duke you are a delightful nobleman the old peer kissed the hands of which he made a warm and perfumed mask feeling them thrill he started and asked the cause who is that man yonder in a prussian officer's dress with black eyes and expressive countenance by prince squiminet some superior officer whom the king of prussia sends to honour your presentation do not laugh duke but that man was in france three or four years ago and i have been seeking for him everywhere without avail you are in error countess the stranger is count fenice who arrived but yesterday how hard he looks at me nay how tenderly everybody is looking at you look he is bowing to me everybody is doing that if they have not done so a prey to extraordinary emotion the lady did not heed the duke's compliments and with her sight riveted on the stranger who captivated her attention she quitted richelieu in spite of herself to move toward the foreigner the king was watching her and perceived the movement he thought she wanted him and approached her as he had quite long enough stood aloof out of the regard for social restrictions but the countess was so engrossed that her mind would not be diverted sire who is that prussian officer now turning away from prince squiminet to look this way That stout figure with the square face inframed in a golden collar accredited from my cousin of prussia some philosopher of his step. i am glad that german philosophy celebrates the triumph of king petticoat the third as they nicknamed the louis for their devotion to the sex of which you are the brightest gem his title is count feny added the sovereign reflecting it is he thought countess Dubarry. But as she kept silence, the king proceeded, raising his voice. "'Ladies, the Dauphiness arrives at Compiègne tomorrow. The journey having been shortened, Her Royal Highness will receive at midday precisely. All the ladies presented at court will be of the reception party, absent those who are absent today. The journey is fatiguing, and Her Highness can have no desire to aggravate the ills.' of those who are indisposed he looked with severity at choiseul gueminet and richelieu a silence of terror surrounded the speaker whose words were fully understood as meaning disgrace sire i pray the exception for the countess of egmont as she is the daughter of my most faithful friend the duke of richelieu his grace Uh, your friend approaching the old courtier who had comprehended from the motion of the pleader's lips he said i hope lady egmont will be well enough to-morrow to come certainly sire she would be fit for travel this hour if your majesty desired it and he saluted with respect and thankfulness the king leaned over to the countess's ear and whispered a word "Sire." I am your majesty's most obedient servant her reverence was accompanied by a most bewitching smile the king waved his hand and retired to his own rooms scarcely had he crossed the threshold before the countess turned more frightened than ever to the singular man who had so monopolized her like the others he had bowed as the monarch withdrew but his brow had worn a haughty almost menacing aspect as soon as Louis had disappeared, he came and paused within a step or two of Lady Dubarry. Urged by invincible curiosity, she took a step toward him, so that he could say in a low voice as he bent to her, "Am I recognized, lady?" "Yes, as my prophet of Louis the Fifteenth Square?" "Well?" queried the man with his clear, steady gaze. Did I lie when I told you of becoming the Queen of France? No. Your prophecy is all but accomplished. Hence, I am ready to keep my promise. Speak your wish. The place is ill-chosen, and the time has not come. I am ready to fulfill it any time. Can I come any time? Yes, Will it be as Count Fenice? My title will be Count Joseph Balsamo. I shall not forget it. Balsamo, repeated the favorite as the mysterious stranger was merged with the crowd. End of chapter 23, recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.